0: We are continuing our journey through the book of 1 Peter this morning. I want to remind you as we begin that the book of 1 Peter is a letter, and this letter was written specifically to believers who were in the part of the world that we currently know as modern-day Turkey. Now, don't, uh, don't be confused. It was not written to a specific church at a specific location in modern-day Turkey. Instead, it was written to all believers who are located in the part of the world that we currently know as modern-day Turkey. So for that reason, the letter had to circulate. It had to be passed from one believer to another. Now, as we begin this morning and each morning in this particular ser- uh, sermon series, I want to remind us of two important pieces of information. The first is the context. Now, you have heard me say over and over and over again, and you will continue. To hear me say over and over again, the context of Scripture is so vitally important. It's dangerous to take Scripture out of context. So I want you to hear every time what the context of the book of 1 Peter is. And it's this it was written by Peter to believers in Asia Minor, and again, specifically the part of the world that we currently know as modern day Turkey. And it was written between AD 60 and AD 67. The other thing. Thing that I want us to always keep in mind is as we read through the book of 1 Peter, it doesn't take very long to see that there is indeed an overall theme that just keeps coming back and back and back again at us. And it's this. And it's one that's sort of difficult to hear. But this is what it is. The overall theme of the book of 1 Peter is that believers should follow the example of Jesus Christ. And they should do that by joyfully enduring persecution, by joyfully enduring persecution. This morning we are in chapter 2 of First Peter, and we're going to begin with verse 1, and I want to invite you this morning, just like I typically do, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand right now to honor the reading of God's Word? Again, First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Here's what God's Word says. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, right now, in the next few minutes, I pray that you will simply hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that you will anoint me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. Father, I pray that I will preach this passage completely and correctly. Father, I pray that I will always point people to you and to the cross. And, Father, I pray that if there is one hearing my voice this morning, whether they're here in this sanctuary or they are joining us by technology of some form, if there is one hearing my voice that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, may this be the day that those chains come off and we see you transform someone's heart. Father, for what you'll do, we'll give you the praise, honor, and the glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now this morning's message, you probably have guessed it already, the title of this morning's message is Jesus is our cornerstone. And he is our cornerstone. If we are in Christ, it's him that's our cornerstone. And I'm going to tell you, if you're trying to follow Jesus Christ and your cornerstone is anything other than Jesus, it is just simply not going to work. And as we look at our text this morning, we're going to see two main points this morning. And the first is that God expects his children to grow spiritually. He expects his children to grow spiritually. It's not an option. That's what he expects of us. Now, I want to just give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Now, last Sunday, while we were right here at church, we knew that Tracy and Adam were at the hospital, and they were in the process of waiting for their son, Jude Hudson Reynolds, to make his appearance Into this world. Well, he's here now, and we're excited as we should be. We should be celebrating with him. It's always, it's always wonderful when God brings a new life into this world. Would we agree with that? It's wonderful, isn't it? We should celebrate that. I pray that we are celebrating that. But with that in mind, little baby Jude Hudson Reynolds. In five years, in ten years, would any of us expect that he would still be an infant? We don't have that expectation at all, do we, of a baby. We expect that that baby is going to receive nourishment and he is going to grow. In fact, we we expect that in ten years that baby will be greatly different than he is right now on this moment in time. Now, when we come to Jesus and ask him to be our Lord and Savior, at that very moment, we are spiritual infants. But let me tell you this morning, as loving as I possibly can, it is not the will of God for a Christian to remain a spiritual infant. He expects us to grow spiritually And as we begin to look at our text this morning, I want to take you back to just a few verses that was in our text last Sunday from chapter 1 beginning with verse 22 where we saw that there was a purification of our souls that is to take place by our obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. And remember, Peter reminded us that we are to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now that brings us to our text for this morning. And remember, this is a continuation of chapter 1. So, as a result of our souls being purified, look what else we are supposed to do. We are to put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. That is what we are to do. Now, when we come to Jesus Christ and He transforms our life, and let's just face it, that's exactly what what he does. When we encounter Jesus, our lives will be different. Remember the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. She came to Jesus in the middle of the day. She came to that well and Jesus was there. She was carrying her water bottle that she was going to gather her water in She had an encounter with Jesus, and it transformed her life. And as a result, she went into the town. Those people saw that she was different. And then the beautiful thing, one of the beautiful things about that account is that the Scripture tells us that many people believed in Jesus because of that woman's testimony. Her life was different. It was no trouble to see that her life was different. Jesus had transformed her life completely. Not just a little bit, he transformed it completely. And that's exactly what he does with us too, if we have had that true encounter with him. So with that in mind, why is it that sometimes it seems like we get comfortable not growing spiritually? I'm going to tell you this morning, I believe it's dangerous, dangerous if we become comfortable in our walk with the Lord. Because guess what? Many times He wants us out of our comfort zone so we can truly serve Him. Have you ever had a conversation with the Lord that sounds similar to this? Lord, I'll follow you. I will will sing the song where He leads. I will follow. But don't ask me to go there. Don't ask me to go talk to that person. I can't do it you can just fill in the blank about what the conversation might be between you and God but unless we say here I am lord send me we truly hadn't surrendered anything maybe he wants you to talk to that difficult person at work that one that doesn't know Jesus If he's placed you there, most likely he does indeed want you to have that conversation. I wonder this morning, is he calling you out of your comfort zone? If he is, please, please step out of your comfort zone and share Jesus. Please step out of our comfort zones and be his hands and feet. As we look at verse 2 in our text today, the text reminds us that like newborn infants, we are to long for. The pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, now, just like adam and tracy 's new son, Jude Hudson, right now he craves milk doesn 't he and i, I Although I haven't experienced this personally with Jude, I would venture to say when that child gets hungry, it's no trouble to tell he's hungry. He probably lets his mom and dad know that he is ready for milk. He has a craving for that milk. That's what he needs to grow. That's what he needs to develop. Guess what? As Christians, we have a desire. We should have a craving for that uh, pure spiritual milk and buy it that we may grow up into salvation. And you might be wondering this morning, how do I have that craving? How, tell me how I develop that craving. Well, I, the, one of the best things I could tell you to do is immerse yourself in the Word of God. Spend time in God's Word. And I will tell you, if you will do that and you do it seriously, His Word will come alive to you. A little won't be enough anymore. You will desire more and more and more. You will crave more and more and more of the truth of His Word. We need to, we need to display that longing for that pure spiritual milk. And then verse 3 says, If indeed... You have tasted that the Lord is good. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you tasted? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? I pray that the answer to that is yes. And if it's not, can I tell you this morning that there would be no finer day to meet Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He's waiting. He is waiting. There would be no finer day than For someone to ask Jesus to forgive their sins and to be their Lord and Savior. Now the second point that we're going to see in the remainder of our text this morning. Remember, we're talking about a cornerstone and the fact that Jesus is indeed our cornerstone. We're going to be seeing in the remainder of our text this morning that God expects His children to grow together as living stones that become part of God's house. Let me tell you, church, we're not just expected to grow individually. Now, there, there's that growth that you require too when we spend time in private Bible study and private prayer. But can I tell you this morning, God wants us to come together as a body of believers and to grow together. Remember, iron sharpens iron. Now, as we come to Christ, we are coming to Him, to Jesus who is that living stone. And look what our text tells us this morning. Rejected by men. He was, wasn't He? He was rejected by men. Men despised Him. Men mocked Him. Men scourged Him. Men crucified Him. Men put Him on the cross. Men took Him off the cross. A man put Him in a tomb. But a man didn't bring him out of the tomb. That tomb is empty this morning. Jesus rose from the grave this morning. But he was indeed rejected by men. I think we would all agree on that. And I think the beautiful part of verse 4 is the last part of it. I always love it when there is a but mentioned in Scripture. Although Jesus was rejected, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and he was precious, chosen and precious. If you'll remember from last Sunday, there was a verse that had this phrase in it. It referenced the precious blood of Christ. And I remember asking, is the blood of Christ precious to you? And if you can't answer that as yes, then there is a problem. But I want to tell you this morning, that blood is precious because Christ is precious in God's sight. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones. That's what we become as we come to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And look what happens to us. We are being built up as a spiritual house we are built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, when we come to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are coming to Him acknowledging that He is the cornerstone. And if you're thinking about when buildings were built, especially in the time that this Scripture was written, the cornerstone was very important. The cornerstone established the structure of the building itself. And when we look at that imagery as it applies to the church, a church is built upon Jesus and Jesus only. And as that church grows, we grow on Jesus again. Again, we can do nothing On our own. Jesus provides that cornerstone. That strength. The foundation for the building. Remember we sang just a few minutes ago. My hope is built on what? Nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But what? Holy trust in Jesus' name. Now, let me just ask us a question. And remember, I've said so many times before, when I ask a question to you, I'm also asking it to myself. So remember that always when I ask a question. Do we wholly trust on Jesus? Or are there certain things we'd just rather do ourselves as if Jesus is not qualified to do it? I tell you Jesus is sufficient. He is so sufficient. If we will seek him, if we will seek his strength and seek his presence continually, guess what? He will speak. He will speak. Now as we look at the the last part of verse 5, the text references these spiritual sacrifices. That are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're asking yourself a question this morning, what would be an example of that? Well, maybe one would be truly giving ourselves to God for his service. Now remember I said just a few minutes ago that if we ever have that conversation with with Jesus Something like this, oh, Lord, I'm yours, but don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me to do that. We're not, we're not completely giving ourselves to God in that situation. He wants all of us. He truly wants us to surrender all. Maybe another example of a spiritual sacrifice that is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ is giving financially. Maybe it's by giving of your time by being, truly being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ by serving others. You know, we have that opportunity. We have, we've got many opportunities to be His hands and feet by serving others. Now, will the world always like us? They won't, will they? Our scripture today reminds us that the builders rejected Jesus. But then that stone became the cornerstone. That stone that the builders rejected at the end of verse 7 has become the cornerstone. And you know, not everyone will make the decision to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Unfortunately, not everyone will make that choice. We have free will. We each decide whether or not we are going to truly trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the sad reality is that not everyone will make that decision. And two, those people, God and His Word are offensive. So when we are standing on the Word of God, guess what? There are people that are not going to like us. Stand on His word anyway, it is worth it. There is a lost and dying world that is watching us to see how we are going to respond when things don't go our way. Let's show them Jesus. Let's show them Jesus in those moments. For true believers, Jesus is a refuge. He's our foundation. He is eternal. And can I tell you something else this morning? No matter what you're going through this morning, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer for the world today. I wonder, do you know Him? Do you know Him today? We, we are in a world where many times godly values... And godly living, they're ridiculed. They are absolutely ridiculed. Stand on God's word anyway. Stand on God's word anyway. When we look at the life of Jesus, the perfect person who did nothing wrong, he was despised and rejected. We're going to be too. We are going to be despised and rejected by our society today. But can I tell you something? Press on. Stand on the Word of God. It is absolutely worth it. Live Jesus in front of people. God's Word will never change. You've heard me say many times before, the Bible is true from cover to cover. It is just as applicable today as it has ever been, which is totally applicable to our lives. But even by knowing that, even with knowing that, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? Let's never forget that Satan is always working. He's always at war. He's always trying to discourage believers. With that in mind, Peter gives us some encouragement in the remaining verses of our Scripture this morning. He reminds us that you, us, us, we are a what? A chosen race. We are a royal priesthood church. If you're in Christ this morning, we serve royalty. We serve royalty. We are a holy nation, a people for His own possession. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. To know that we're a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, a people for His own possession. But then look what we are to do as a result. That who may proclaim? Who may proclaim? You may proclaim The excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Church, I want to say this lovingly. When you come to Jesus and you know Him as your Lord and Savior, He calls you out of darkness. He calls you out of darkness. So knowing that, please don't ever go back there. Please don't ever go back to darkness knowing that He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Are you living in the light of Jesus Christ this morning? I pray that the answer is yes. Because Peter reminds us here, once you were not a people, but now you are who? God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now, but now, you have received mercy. And once we have truly experienced and received that mercy of Jesus Christ, we will live differently to others. We will extend mercy to others exactly like he has extended that mercy to us. This morning as we close, is Jesus your cornerstone? If he is not, he can be this morning. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? If you haven't, I invite you to. Jesus is here this morning. He is waiting. He is waiting for you no matter what burden you carry this morning. He is sufficient. I encourage you to lay it at the foot of the cross. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've realized, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to tell you real quickly how that can be resolved this morning. It's as easy, truly, as we tell children in Bible school it is. It's the ABCs of salvation We've got to be willing to admit that there is sin in our life, and that sin has separated us from God. It's created a barrier between us and God. It truly separates us from Him. The B stands for we've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that everything, everything that the Bible says about Him is indeed true, that He lived a perfect life, one that contained not one bit of sin. And that He loved us so much that He went to that cross and died for us on Calvary so that we could have eternal life. It's a free gift, but we've got to accept the gift. We've got to take the gift. We've got to open the gift in order to accept that free gift. And then the C stands for we've got to confess that that Jesus is God's Son first of all. We've got to confess that he is our Lord and Savior. But part of that confession process involves saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. I want you to forgive my sin. And I'm going to turn and follow you instead of following the world. That's how someone comes to Jesus. If you don't know him this morning, I beg you. Don't take, don't take it for granted that you can do it tomorrow. Someone's life will end today. Many people's lives will end today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow here is not promised. I beg you this morning, whatever the need, come. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you so much for knowing that you are my cornerstone. Father, praise you for that. I, I give you praise that we are able to lay our burdens at your feet. Father, I, I pray that people will do just that today. I pray that, that people will come forward, lay their burdens, whatever they are carrying at your feet, and trust that you are sufficient. Father, we know that you are the answer for the world today. Father, forgive us in the times that that we try to step out on our own strength. Lord, help us always to remember that without you, we can truly do nothing. And at the same time with you, all things are possible. Help us rely on you more and more. Father, I pray that you will move during this invitation, and I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.